This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network America relies on. This is The New Way We Work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain exactly what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor, Kate Davis. On today's episode, I'm joined again by my producer, Josh Christensen, and by Scott Mebus, Mansueto Ventures Senior VP of Entertainment. Hi, Josh. Hey, Scott. Hey. (laughs) Almost in unison. (laughs) So (laughs) a a few weeks ago on the show, I talked to Kenzo Fong and Josh Foreman about the future of workplace flexibility. Josh has instituted a 32-hour, four-day work week at his company, and Kenzo's company is fully remote and works completely asynchronously, meaning that no one is ever in the office or even online at the same time. When I asked Kenzo what his company does about meetings, his answer felt radical. They don't have any. Insane. Ex- <laughs> I'm sorry. That's insane. Am I allowed to break in? Is that horrible? It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> This is going to go off the rails so fast. (laughs) Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When you say something insane, I have to point out that it's insane. Yes, it felt insane. So he explained that before they made the switch, his company did a meeting audit, meaning that they looked at all the recurring meetings that they had and they figured out how to either cancel them or turn them into emails or status updates. And in the last few years, as I've moved into more of a management role, and especially in the last two years working remotely, I feel like the majority of my working days are spent in meetings. So Kenzo's idea sounded both intriguing and also insane and impossible. (laughs) So, So we asked Kenzo to write about exactly how his company did it. And the resulting article, Five Ways to Cut the Time You Spend in Meetings in Half, is linked to in the show notes for this episode. But Scott, Josh, and I decided to also try to do our own personal meeting audits. So let's talk about how it went. Not great, Kate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not great is my answer too, unfortunately. Doing an audit of meetings just added a whole nother meeting. <laughs> well, now we have to have this meeting to talk about our meeting. And now we're having this well, meeting. Well, should we, st- should we start by saying how many hours we spent in meetings this past week in a typical week? Yeah, so the, the week uh, we looked at is Wednesday, March 2nd through Tuesday, March 8th. And in that time, I counted that I had 15 planned meetings, which equaled about 12 hours of meeting time. But I also had a handful of other like unplanned meetings that popped up, which added like another two hours to it. And it feels like so that's what, like 14 hours total. And you would say like, oh, 14 hours out of 40, like isn't that much. But it's like my whole day. Like there's, you know, when there's 20 minutes between a meeting, like what can you get done in 20 minutes? And it just even though the amount of time isn't a lot, like 17, 18 meetings is a lot. Well, 14 hours does seem like, a. I mean, that's more than a third of your working week, technically yeah. by hours. That is a lot. Like, that's a lot of your time. Yeah, just and it does, and it feels, it feels like the whole day on some days, too. Yeah. That, that I'm, I'm just sitting like child's play. I had, <laughs> I had uh, 24 meetings, planned oh my meetings. God. Uh, another probably eight or nine that were unplanned. Uh, and in total, I had a full day full, uh, well, almost it was about 20 hours of meetings in full, but I also went into the weekend. I had 
three meetings over the weekend. So well, that that's, added to it. That's a, it's a, its own problem. It's its own animal. Wait, but so uh, yeah. 24 meetings. I had 24 meetings. And, uh, and yeah, and each meeting is between a half an hour and an hour. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I think I'm overestimating. It's not 24. I, I, I'm going to be completely honest. I did not do my homework and add this up. So I'm doing very poor math off yeah. the top of my head. Um, but whatever that ends up being, because uh, they're, they're between a half an hour and an hour each. So, I mean. So it seems, it seems like that, you know, Josh is better. sounds like he's better at math than us, right? So he said that mine's like a third <laughs> of my week and yours sounds like it's like 60% of your week. Oh yeah. 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 At least 50%. I mean, you're probably working more than the 40 hours too as well. Probably both of you are uh, as well. And, and myself included. It depends. It's, it- is my boss listening to this? Then yes, I am working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working a hundred hours a week. No, I mean, that's not, that's actually not, you know, and we've talked about that on the show before. That's not impressive. Like you do, no, not at you, all. Do, you do worse work if you work, you know, too many hours. And, you know, knowing our, you know, our ultimate boss, Stephanie does not, uh, you know, she doesn't appreciate that. It's something yeah. I appreciate about her. So yeah. Yeah. She, she's like, go spend time with your kids. And I'm like, it's, it's not a badge of honor to be like, I'm so, I, I'm so overworked, but Josh. Totally. Okay. So I'm a third Scott's 60% or more than half. What are you? What, what was your total? My past week actually wasn't that bad. I only had nine hours of meetings on a 11 meetings, two of which were, were unplanned meetings that went about a half an hour. One with Scott actually, which was actually, yeah. But, yeah. That's one uh, of mine too. Yeah, he's, a cul- he's, a, he's a, he's a culprit for time sucking. I, I'm a collaborator <laughs> is how I like to put it. I'm like trying to like type it in Slack and then he just calls me and I'm like, oh, here's, here goes an hour of my life. No, just well, kidding. Can I'm we just re- kidding. Can we also remember that part of this is about connecting as people? I like having a nice conversation with yes, people. Yes. Well, so that's, so well. that's something I, I, we definitely should talk about because I think like in the remote world, this is the only time that we get to like socialize with each other. You know, like there's not the like casual hallway conversations. And and it's not just socialization for the our human. I don't want to feel alone and crazy. It's also the oil that makes the political quote unquote machine of your company move. Like it's relationships, yeah. Yeah, if you're not able to to manage and build those relationships, you're not going to get the thing done when you need it done. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of the. Yeah, that's something that's been taken away. The flip side of that is, and as we've talked about on this show, is that figuring out how to foster those collaborations and those political needs, which often lead to you know people advancing in their career, needs to be done in an equitable way, not only for the sake of workplace equity, but also for, you know, it's good business to do that. And that's getting tougher and tougher as like we're more dispersed to the wind. We can get more into that a little later yeah. in the conversation. I think we're, we're in a whole new <laughs> podcast episode there. So let's back up. So uh, it's kind of interesting. We're like three separate, like light, medium, heavy, I guess, in, in the amount of meetings that we had. So yeah. we, so I made the assignment of, you know, some of the uh, actions that we could to do to try to trim our meetings. So Kenzo's company, like they, the whole company did it. And that's how it was able to happen. Our whole company did not do it, this, just the three of us. So a lot of, a lot of these meetings were out of our control, right? They were set by other people or they're, or the, you know, like we can't cancel a meeting if we're not the organizer of the meeting. So instead we had a couple of options for what we could personally do. Uh, trim meeting times by 10, uh, by 15 to 30 minutes, make an agenda for every meeting so that it, 
doesn't go off the rails and it's, you know, more productive. Cancel meetings and replace them with an email for ones that we could do that for. Taking a walking meeting, which we've written about before. It's a way to like, so you're not just sitting, getting that like Zoom fatigue and you're like exercising and getting fresh air and hopefully getting ideas moving as you're talking. Or block off one meeting free day a week. So which activities did we try to do? Well, let's go the other way and say which ones that I fail utterly at. Making an agenda, I would say making an agenda is super important. And it's my, I, I, the only reason I wasn't able to go through it with that really effectively is because out of 60% of my meetings, you know, my week is meetings, I would say 80% of that are meetings I don't call. Mm-hmm. So you can't really set the agenda. Yeah. I can't set a lot of them are with clients. And so I can't really control those agendas. And then as Josh saw in the meetings where I was supposed to, my agenda, in the meetings I was supposed to make agendas for, I I just didn't. So, you know, I, I think if I had more time during my week to make agendas, then I'd make the agenda. So I need to... Sp- it's like the chicken and the egg. Like you sp- <laughs> spend so much time in the meeting that you don't have time to make an agenda for the meeting. And so then you have more meetings and they take longer and they go <laughs> over and then, yeah. But I will say, and I've seen this happen with, uh, you know, the so I'm in a lot of sort of quote unquote executive meetings where we're, you know, kind of talking about the company in general. And, uh, I, you know, I've been in this role for a while and in previous administrations, we didn't always stick to that agenda and we'd go over 15 minutes, Mm -hmm. half an hour, almost like clockwork. And, uh, now we have this strict agenda and we end early and it really does matter. So even though I'm not making the agendas to help myself, I'm seeing what an agenda has been doing, an effective agenda that we stick to. Um, but what I've seen make that work is that we're not trying to do everything in a meeting. Yeah. Like we're not trying to make every meeting do everything. And that I think is important because if you have too few meetings, and this is maybe we talk about in a little bit, you start to try to do more with that meeting than you probably should because you don't have as many. I find it's almost like, uh, I think of it almost like uh, eating three big meals a day or eating a bunch of small meals a day. Uh, which are you going to do to, you know, control your weight and small meals can often be more effective. Well, so I wonder, and I, I find that too, like when there is an agenda, you, you move through it, you know, like if you get off course, like it, it guides you back to like, now we're going to talk about this thing. And then when you get to the last agenda item, it's the last agenda item. And then the, the meeting ends and it can't kind of like keep going over. What do you do though? About, or what have you found that happens in those meetings that have agendas when there's tangents? Because there's so many tangents. And I know you are like the king. Which used to say, when you go off on a tangent. You're the king of tangents. <laughs> and I'm a big tangent goer too. I and- know. We're, we're, not a good, we're not a good pair. When we have a meeting, no. it is not a good pair. Um, we need agendas for our meetings for sure. Yeah, that is 100%. When that happens, how how does it, you know, if, if whoever's leading the meeting, how do they bring it back to the agenda? Well, part of it is I do think the person running the meeting, not the person running the meeting, the most senior person in the meeting, because sometimes the people running the meeting don't actually have control over the meeting. It's really the person with the most power uh, on the call or in, in the room that can control the tone of it. And I think if you are the most senior person in the meeting, it's up to you to show that you are not going to allow tangents to take over. Um Because it really is, we'll do it if we're allowed. Mm -hmm. And I allow it because, you know, I am, 
you know, sitting in my room by myself and I miss talking to people. And so I'll go off on a tangent and, uh, and I enjoy that. And everyone else stares at me with hate in their eyes, but I don't care. Uh, but, uh, but I allow it and it's my fault. It's on me. I'm allowing that to happen. But like I'm seeing now in some of these meetings I'm in where I'm not the most powerful person in the room, they're not allowing tangents to happen. So they don't. And uh, so I do think there is a lot of, uh, if you're in charge, if you're in the person in the meeting who's most senior, you really do have control over the tone and time of that meeting just by what you allow to happen. I would challenge that a little bit in that I think it can be the person running the meeting who even isn't the most senior if they have the confidence to to just kind of keep guiding the conversation back. I think you can guide a conversation if you're not the most senior person. You just have to have the confidence to do it. With yeah. tact. I yeah. I, I I think I think you need I mean it's it's a skill. It's not because I I mean we have all seen someone who we've all seen people that have been good at that and seen people who are not good at that, um, who are just you know, can't, can't rein it in. I think a way to do it is, is kind of the, the way we, we have, you know, when we go off on tangents on, on this show, or it's like, you know, and we're going to talk about that later, or that's a, that's a topic for another time, or, you know, and kind of like, let's get back. Like, I want to get back to these questions that we have written down to ask. I want to, you know, and. Or the moments when we're recording voiceover of you, Kate, and you and I get off on a tangent <laughs> that ends up just being for Nick, our editor. Yes. Yeah. And then it's just like, <laughs> enjoy that, Nick. Um, but okay. So, so here, look, I'm bringing us back to our agenda. So Scott tried and, and failed at having an agenda for his meetings. Um, was there any, anything else you tried to do? Did you try to, to trim your meeting times or cancel any meetings? Uh, I unfortunately was not able to cancel any meetings. I did cancel a meeting today, right? We were supposed did, to have a meeting yeah. on Friday and I canceled it. Actually, I've canceled a few actually this past week because there's you did been cancel a few one on Tuesday as well. Okay. So you did, you did succeed in that. So I think a lot of us have like reoccurring, you know, like weekly check-ins or whatever. And it, it's good to question those sometimes. Like it yes. just mm-hmm. because it's here and we meet every week, like I don't want to cancel it indefinitely. But maybe each week we can go, do we have anything to talk about this week? No, then let's cancel it instead of just like meeting for the sake of it's on the calendar every week. And I think one of the audits we really need to do at this point, it's it's not just typical meeting structure. It's post-pandemic meeting structure because we all went nuts with meetings when the pandemic mm-hmm. hit. It was like, we're out of control. We don't know what anybody's doing. We're all remote. And uh, we've only been slowly cutting those back because yeah. I'm like, I remember p- pre-pandemic, I would have a monthly check-in with like the larger sort of executive group. Now it's every week. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be. Uh, and uh, very slowly but surely weaning that back. But uh, sometimes these choices we've made on our meeting schedule, they happened in result to uh, hopefully something that won't be lasting too much longer. Well, yeah, that's it is is like you, you get the meetings on the calendar and then they stay there forever and maybe they served a purpose at one point, but they don't necessarily serve that purpose anymore. And I think, I mean, we're going to, th- I feel like the bottom line of this is going to be, this is something you need to do company-wide, but it, I think it really is. Like in order to do it effectively, every, you need buy-in from everybody to really look at your meetings and think of them critically. But um, Josh, I want to know what you did. Yeah, so I took a meeting-free day, which was last Tuesday, which I was actually successful at. Amazing. It's part of the reason why I think my hours were so low this week, because I think probably on a usual week, I'm between like 12 and 15 hours of meetings. It ebbs and flows a little bit, just 
because my job is more it's more collaboration focused yeah. so when we have heavy like in the months leading up to you know we just released two new pod i'm gonna plug our podcast a new season of world changing ideas i'm talib vizram and this is world changing ideas from fast company magazine where we investigate how leading innovators are solving our most challenging issues which you should subscribe to right now. Excellent. <laughs> it is excellent. He found a way to put a commercial in the middle of this. Exactly. Oh, and we have one more and Creative Control. This is Creative Control. I'm your host, Casey Finey, and each week I'll be unpacking the driving forces and people shaping the creator economy and what it all means for its future. Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Like and subscribe, subscribe wherever you listen. Both excellent, <laughs> yes. excellent podcasts. Yes, yes. I would say that we are hitting on all cylinders right now on podcasts. It's fantastic. Be a part of it. Yeah, they're they're great. They're they're great shows. <laughs> now that we're back <laughs> from the commercial, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll rein it back in. Uh, well, I was doing a lot more meetings, brainstorming, going through different ideas and editing with with those shows. Uh, as were both of you, because you were both involved in those processes as well. This week, I didn't have as many, and I was able to take off that Tuesday. Which, by nature, there were some things that I would have jumped on maybe an unplanned meeting usually with one of uh, my team members to talk about something. I didn't do that. I did everything over Slack and email if I needed to communicate and nothing went awry. Things went fine. And I was able to get a lot of the more deep work that uh, I needed to do, do get done done by researching, listening and, and editing some things. And that stuff was uninterrupted, which I think was really helpful to have a day like that. It's not always going to be possible, but it, it was nice. Doesn't a day without meetings feel like so expansive? Like the amount of work you can get done in a full day with no meetings, because I feel like I'm always doing my work and some of it is really deep work. Like I edited four features in this last week and it was like, okay, I have to try to block off like an hour of time to like read this and edit this. But like if you had eight hours with no meetings, like that just sounds like you could get so much done. I really do feel like we are all in a, a similar field. We're in a creative field. We all handle sort of, we have to use our brains that way. We need those Similar moments. field. We work at the same company. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we have slightly different jobs. We have different roles. I do different things than Kate does. Yeah, yeah. Because of that, you know, we all have to exercise that muscle. And we all know that exercising that muscle is not something you could turn on and off. Like you need run like if i'm going to have to write something i need a moment to get into the right frame of mind and start being creative well that's exactly it because and you know like i said when i was saying i have you know 15 meetings or whatever and it doesn't and it's only a third of my day but it's all day because i can't edit a story in 20 minutes between a meeting i can't you know like it takes and we've we've covered it before that um, when you have distractions, when you have meetings, it takes you about 20 minutes to get yourself recalibrated to get back into like deep work. So you just spend that 20 minutes like checking email and Slack and whatever, like in order to like, you'll never, if you have a day full of meetings, you never get an opportunity to do deep work. But I mm -hmm. would say that not everyone needs to do that kind of deep work. Like their job depends on your job. It. 
this is something, sorry to, to cut you off, but this is something I think Kate and I had kind of an off recording conversation about Kenzo, who we talked about at the beginning of the episode. His company is a tech company. They, the Rock is the company. They make a communication software. I would imagine relative to our industry in a more creative field, making podcasts and writing articles where we're, especially our department, Scott, um, that you're, you run entertainment, video and podcasting. Uh, I'm the director of podcasting here. We collaborate almost exclusively for our work yeah. across departments. It, it's not the same as coders necessarily who may not need any meetings whatsoever really to effectively do their job. So there's no one size fits all. Or continue in another. You work at a media agency and your job really is to pull everybody else together. And, you know, you work at, you know, you're buying media. You need you can't do anything by yourself. You need to pull in so many different areas in order to do your job that if everyone took a day off of meetings and you need clarification on something, an email can sometimes, I think, take longer than a call because you need to wait for the answer. You need to understand the answer. You need to clarify after if you got it wrong. And then at that point, you could have just called, had a five-minute conversation and figured it out. You know, there's just so many gradations of this that I always feel a little uh, skeptical when it's like this, hey, look, I did it so you can do it attitude. This episode of The New Way We Work is brought to you by Verizon, the network you can rely on for your phone and for your home internet. Find the plan that's right for you at verizon.com. I do think that it varies industry to industry as far as how much collaboration you need, how much time for deep work you need. But I would say that Every job needs some collaboration, probably. And every job certainly needs time for deep work. I think the move towards like a meeting-free day or a block of time with no meetings to do deep work is something that every industry could use. So I, I tried to do the same thing as you, Josh. I tried to block off one day for no meetings, and it did not work. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because... You know, you're you just have so many things you have to worry about. I mean, I think the biggest problem that people have with taking a day off from meetings, uh, it's the people that aren't just doing one thing. They aren't overseeing one thing. They're interfacing with all different departments, the way you do, Kate, the way I do. You know, and it means you need a lot of ducks to get into a row to be able to take a day off. I mean, there's also like so. Josh sounds like he had maybe kind of the ideal week to to trim his meetings, and and Scott sounds like you had a horrible week to try to trim meetings. I probably not before South by Southwest. That is not the time. I probably also had a difficult week because I um, we're doing some hiring, so I'm doing interviews, and like you know, there's nothing I can do about that. I can't be like I'm not taking meetings today, so I'm not going to participate in this interview. Um, or also, you know, when like everybody can only get together on a certain time. You feel like a jerk if you're like, oh, well, that, that time doesn't work for me. Oh, why? Do you have a conflict? Yeah, I just don't want to have meetings that day. You know, like, but I will say there's a fake way to do it. There is a way to block off time on your calendar for a meeting or an appointment that's really just like you working. Like, I'm just going to block off two hours on, you know, Friday. And it looks like, so when people try to see my availability, it looks like I have no availability that time, but it's really just for me to like heads down and, and work. You you do know your boss listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but it's also not, I mean, that's, that's a totally legitimate thing to do, you know, is to block, block off time to work. 
I 100% agree. I, I didn't say I was that. blocking off time to nap. I'm blocking off time to, to work. So I do it to block off time to nap. Uh, you know, I have to pick my son up from school. And so I have to block that time off. You just can't book me. And it's not because yeah. I'm in a meeting. I'm, me- I'm meeting my son. But I actually, I mean, I completely agree with you on the day off. I just think, I think Friday is that day. Like yeah. there's only one day a week, I think, where you can really do that. And Friday, I think, is that universally acknowledged day. I try it to make that my Friday. I think that, you know, it's worth having a conversation at our company to make that a company-wide thing. So like I try to make it my personal thing and then it doesn't work because other people aren't making it their thing. But if we all agreed, you know, Fridays are a no meeting day, I think it could work. I think it's possible. You just yeah. put those meetings into other days or you find ways to trim them. And that's something, Josh, I think I skipped over. Did Aside from a no meeting day, was there another tactic you tried? Oh, yeah. I did try taking a walking meeting, and I did not like that. Oh, no. Did not like it. You didn't like it? I do that all the time. I love those. I like walking, but I just, I like to have things in front of Mm -hmm. me visually Mm -hmm. to refer to, and I couldn't have that with, because usually I'll have notes for myself about something, and this was a meeting. Uh, it was it, it was honestly like the lowest stakes meeting. It was just meeting with Nick, our editor, to go over some hardware things. But I just, I felt lost because yep. I didn't have, I think I've talked to you about this on the show and before I'm like, I have a million tabs open all the times on my, on time on my computer. You, like you have a problem. I'm really bad about that, but it's just, I need to be better about that. But having stuff in front of me and and classified helps me. I, in theory, love the idea of a walking meeting. And I um, live in beautiful Ann Arbor, Michigan. And there's a, a woods right next to my house that I would I'd love to take walks in. Like the idea of like doing that while getting a meeting done sounds really desirable. But I feel the same way. Like I need to have notes. I need to take notes. I need to look at things on my computer as I'm talking. Like I can't just talk. That actually brings up a good point. You're in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'm in Manhattan. Yeah. That's what you have like sirens and yeah. Yeah. And I live in a fairly quiet part. I'm right by the river. I can walk down into Riverside Park, which is what I did, but there's still, it's still New York. Even quiet for New York City is loud for Ann Arbor, Michigan. You know, it's just the reality. All the caveats aside, I think it's a good uh, muscle to to exercise because I do do a, a lot. Your I legs, you're talking about meetings. legs, walking, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, uh, I'm just not doing well in the metaphors today. <laughs> I do a lot of one-on-one check-ins when I walk. Like it's, I find that it's a good time when someone needs to present to me because then I know they're going to follow up with notes. I don't need to write them down myself. It's really just about me responding to what they have to present. And so that's usually a good time. It's I can go for a, a walk down to downtown and back and feel like I'm I'm I don't need to take every note. It's getting taken for me, but I can actually my brain feels more alive when I'm walking. Yeah. You get more ideas, it's fresh air, you don't have the zoom fatigue of sitting in one spot staring at a screen all the time. Yeah, I think that's a it's a personality thing. Like I as you say that, I'm like, I wouldn't I I need to take my own notes though, <laughs> you know, like I oh, need to, no. you know, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I can't read my own writing. <laughs> Letting other people take notes for me was the best moment of my life when I learned how to do that. I hate notes. <laughs> I, you guys are both pretty type A people, right? I'm type like Z. Yeah. I feel yeah. no need to take notes. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, that's why you're not making agendas for your meetings. Um, <laughs> that's, that's why you're letting other people make agendas for you and going off on crazy tangents when anybody talks to you. Yeah. 
Man, I am so getting fired after this podcast comes out. <laughs> I think we get who Scott is. <laughs> a creative genius is really what we're saying. So, Jess, you did a meeting-free day, um, which worked, and you did a walking meeting, which did not work. Um, I did a meeting-free day, which did not work, and I tried to do the trimming the time thing, and mm. that that kind of did work. So it worked in two ways. One, I have a, a couple weekly check-ins, and the one, I just set them for an hour, and I'm like, but do they need to be an hour? Like, we we fill the hour because we talk and catch up. And then we talk about work and then we maybe go on a tangent and whatever. And that's one that could probably use an agenda too. But I just trimmed it like on the calendar to half an hour. Like I just made it be half an hour. Like it wasn't just to me, like I, me and uh, Christopher Zara, our news editor, I just made it a half an hour and he didn't even like say anything that he noticed, but we're trying, we're kind of keeping it a little bit shorter now. It goes over a little bit, but not too much. The other thing, so I think probably all of us have the unlimited Zoom accounts, you know, that you can, the meetings can go on however long, yeah. but the, there's also the, the people who don't have those accounts where if they set the meeting, it's timed at 40 minutes. And I'm like, that is brilliant. I was in a meeting and so the person who set it up did not have an unlimited account. And so the meeting was going and we were talking, we we're talking. And then that little timer came up in the corner and it's like, you have three minutes remaining. And everyone's like, okay, we have three minutes. We got to get the rest in. Oh, it's going to cut us out. Like, I was like, ooh, maybe use the not unlimited Zoom account and like give yourself, yeah. make all of your hour meetings to 40 minutes because it has a timer and it, you know, you, oh, you're going to get cut out. But I hate that feeling when you see that number come up. <laughs> That's like anxious. Yeah. Oh, it makes me feel awful. I will say though, that the thought process behind that actually makes a lot of sense. If you set a 45 minute meeting, then nobody is going to schedule the additional 15 minutes. So you're not going to lose people if you need to go over a little bit. Um, but it does cut that 15 minutes off that, and, and most times you'll probably keep to it. I don't like that hard out. I don't think it's a good feeling. Uh, the, the timer ticking. Well, it, it also, you don't, you know, if you run long on something else and there's something you really needed to hit and now you're rushing it through, it's just not an effective way to, to communicate if you feel like you got to spit it out in a minute. But that idea of, 45 minutes, knowing that you, if you go over a little bit, you've got some space because no one's going to book that time. But aiming for 45 minutes, I think that's a that's a, a decent plan. Well, I think all meetings could probably use to be trimmed. You know, like a half an hour meeting could maybe be a 15 minute meeting. And like, and it also just feels different on your calendar. So we have a daily stand-up meeting that's at noon, that's 15 minutes, and it doesn't feel that imposing. And we usually stick to 15 minutes. But if it was there for half an hour, we'd probably fill that time. And then I'd be like, oh, that's half an hour. And then I'm not going to be able to do anything for the next 15 minutes after that. And then it like ends up taking like an hour of your time. You know? Well, I mean, that off-minute thing, maybe that's just a great plan in general, the 15 minutes, the 45 minutes. It's that idea yeah. of, you know, you can go over, you have that little space if you need it. And hopefully you'll do less. But uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I wish I had control overall. All my meetings are with, I th more than half of them are with clients and they will go as long as they want to go. <laughs> I think that's where in those meetings that you can't control, like what like what can we do to to bring a sense of control to the meetings that we can't control? Even if it's not setting like an official agenda, I think like maybe having an agenda for yourself, like a bullet point of these are the four things that we need to touch on in this call. Let's like keep bringing it back to this. Now I touched on all of them. I think that's it. Do you have anything else? Okay, let's wrap up. You know? Yeah. One thing that, uh, that I I've done is I actually ask for an agenda if there isn't one. 
And sometimes if you goose people into making an agenda, they will make one. Or they realize they don't have one and there's nothing to actually talk about and you can cancel. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the dream. But sometimes just a quick goose of, hey, do you, can you send me the agenda? Um, Oh crap, I need an agenda. They put it together and now you've got some framework. And the ones that you can control setting the time, you know, I, I do think that the bottom line is within your company, it's, it's something that you need like buy-in from everybody. And it's certainly buy-in from the top, you know, mm. outside of your company, you know, there's, I don't know, there's not a lot you can do aside from, uh, you know, trying to, to rein the converse, bring the conversation back or, or cut the time a little bit, but yeah, like you can't, not interview people. <laughs> Anything service or client yeah. facing. It's just like, especially uh, obviously if anyone who's worked in like retail or the industry has obviously hurt. And I think we've all heard the customer's always right type mentality. And I think there is a little bit of in that and anything client facing is that you have to default to them just for a lot of things. Well, to a certain extent, I would, the only thing I would say is that a lot of times that feeling is driven by your sales team and by the who's managing the client relationship. And it isn't always driven by the client because a lot of times the client is in the same position you're in. They have the same back-to-back-to-back meetings that you have and things like that. So sometimes if you're able to give some framework to that and present that, you know, kind of send it to the client, they're fine with it. It's really in the middle. It's the person in charge of that relationship that's most nervous and most trying to cater and show they can cater. Um, so I, I found that a lot of times it's they're very respectful of the time that you give them. So maybe going back to that idea of does it need to be an hour? Is it a half hour? Like setting those parameters up top and having those conversations with the people that are setting these meetings and saying, don't give us an hour with someone if we need a half an hour because you'll feel like we need to take it because they're the client. They'll feel like they need to take it. The cutting meeting times thing to go back to that. Kenzo wrote in his his article that he wrote for us about cutting meeting times. He wrote, it's kind of like the, I mean, he, he didn't make this analogy, but I think we've all heard the, the frog boiling in the water analogy where it like slowly gets hotter and you don't realize it until you're boiled. But it's the opposite of that where you, he, he says slowly cut the time down. So you have an hour meeting and you ideally want it to be half an hour. It's dramatic to cut it in half, right? But like make it a 45 minute meeting and then like, oh, look, we got it all done. Now I'm going to make it a 40 minute meeting or a 30 minute meeting and like just like slowly start to trim things so that it's not like that shock of like, no, but we need this hour to fill. I think, uh, I think that's kind of what, yeah, what we've been saying here. I think we're all on the same page. We're not arguing enough. (laughs) We're not arguing enough. Yeah. I do have a question for the two of you, for the two of you specifically, because we're coming out of the pandemic in a lot of ways. Um, with offices reopening, but Kate, you made the decision to be fully remote uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic. By you moved to Michigan, we've talked about this before on the show. Scott, you're probably in the office more often than most people now. When you will be back when we go into our our hybrid office format, how do you think your approaches are different? Being fully remote and being what will be the maximum time in the office, uh, you know, in in someone who is more regular in the office as well. Well, my meetings are going to go down. I had a lot fewer meetings when I was in the office because I had a lot more run-ins. I got a lot more done just by stopping by somebody's office. I could get essentially five separate things done 
and then not have to have an individual meeting about each. So I actually am hopeful that my meetings will go down, especially my internal ones. But I think the hard part for me is going to be that we're not going back to the way it was. We're going back where I'm going to have to have a meeting with Kate as well as a walk-in. And it's like, how do we combine those? And I don't know if we've really found a great way to do that yet. I think that's the big challenge in the hybrid office, which of which most offices are going to be. I, we're not at all unique that that we are going to have the people who are in New York are going to be in the office a few days a week, but not five days a week, and that there's more people like myself who who moved and are fully remote. I think that that means that a lot of the old ways that we did things in the office are still not going to come back even when some people are back in the office. Uh, you know, we, we've talked about it at our company and a lot of other companies are doing this. When we have a big meeting, if you have three, four, five, six, ten people who are remote, sorry, but the people who are in the office are going to have to sit in front of their computer on Zoom still. Because you have to, you have to, to even the playing field, because there's always the meeting and then the meeting after the meeting or the meeting before the meeting. And you can't cut out the people who are happen to not be there from the real meeting that happens as you're walking out of the room and all like chatting to each other. Yes, I think you're going to have more run in Scott, when you're when more people are in the office, but I don't think it's going to be like back to the way it was. I agree. I don't think it will be back to the way. I think what I'm looking forward to is not having to use meetings as a way to socialize anymore. Like, yeah, because a lot of times it isn't even socializing with that person. It's socializing. You're the person I'm talking to today. I usually only talk to an eight year old. Guess what you get to hear about? I know. Yeah, I, I feel like Josh gets uh, gets a lot of that from me because <laughs> because he's the like person that I regularly like have these conversations with, and then it's like, okay, but let me. Can I just tell you about this? Because like you're the only person that I can talk to about this. Yeah. That's not like in my house. Like that would care about what I have to say about this. Yeah. Yeah. Or pretend to care. <laughs> if we're able to to express that in a more you know, natural setting, then I think these meetings, less of that will happen. And we'll be able, at least for me, I'll be able to be a little more focused on the ones I have because it's, it is night and day when I'm in the office uh, and I'm never going to be fully in the office. I'll always be hybrid. I mean, I have a two hour commute each way, but when I, when I'm in the office, it's just a different feeling. You, that, that collaboration and community is important. Well, and you think about your in-office time more wisely. Like there's not really a reason to take a two-hour commute into the office and sit in front of your computer and work. Exactly. You're there for your relationships with your coworkers. You know, you talk about like loving the the drop-by. A lot of people hate the drop-by or used to hate the (laughs) drop-by in the the pre-pandemic world because that was, and we wrote about it all the time, right? Like why people hate open offices because it's so distracting and you can never get work done. And like, here you are sitting at your desk and then someone just drops by and asks you a question and then you have to try to like refocus again. So it's it's something that I think we're going to be viewing. You are so focused on productivity. It's almost like you have a podcast about it. I used to. (laughs) Yes, I used to. uh, But... (laughs) But but now it's the new way we work every Monday. Well, Subscribe just, and like wherever. The thing. Oh, that I we can't just, plug this show. <laughs> you could plug this show. The thing. The thing we just can't forget. Uh, ultimately, is that part of what makes you successful in not every job, but in a lot of your jobs, is how people perceive you. Uh, it's not just in your output. It's also in you know how you interact with them. It's in the relationships that you build like that. And so, 
yes, you don't want to be constantly be dropping in on people and pissing them off. But at the same time, those are the moments that you have to essentially have a personal connection with somebody where they're mm. like, I want to help you succeed. I want to be part of your, and, and that's what those drop-ins are building. Yeah, but which is which is why I think we need to have a better solve for that because then we're going to start to, especially the people who are more likely to be remote, which then affects people obviously geographically yeah. with, with a lot of places of you know New York, LA, and stuff like that where a lot of business is centered. Also, primary childcare like people who mothers mostly or single parents or disabled folks get disproportionately affected. Well, we wrote about it. It's the Zoom ceiling. They've, they've uh-huh. coined the phrase, the Zoom ceiling, because it is like out of sight, out of mind, right? Like I, I feel fortunate in that I lived in New York City for 15 years. I worked at Fast Company for like seven or eight years in office before going remote. So I feel like I've built those relationships. Like people know me, but if you're starting in a new company, completely remote, so like hard. that's an uphill battle. That's yeah. a real uphill battle uh, to career advancement and also just to success in your your job. But that's, I feel like a, a, a totally uh, tangential topic to our meeting. It's not completely because I do feel that one of the next waves of what is a quote unquote meeting, there needs to be meetings, and I'm making air quotes, that accomplish that. Yeah. Because doing away with that doesn't help you. Like saying nobody gets it doesn't help you because someone is always going to get that. i just going to give an unfair advantage to people who are in the office if you're like, nobody does it. And I think a lot of it falls on leaders within a company to make those personal connections and drive that for the sake. Yes, but I think it's incumbent upon everybody because you're just not always, I mean, we're talking to everybody here and I think it's incumbent upon you're that new person What's your version of the personality building meeting, like of the the relationship building meeting? Like, how do you structure that? Is it a check in? Is it a like the thing that we would be saying? Hey, cut it out! It's meaningless. It's really meaningful in a different way. It may not help you be productive for that day, but it'll help you for your career and it'll help you in the company make those kind of connections you need to make. I think that's it. Is that it's right now we've been using our meetings to be everything, right? To be yes. both our like social outlet and our work, getting our work done and like everything else. And it's it's using meetings wisely for what they're supposed to be for, putting agendas on them, trimming the time, eliminating them if they're not needed, and then figuring out a different way to do relationship building and to be more intentional about that, whether you're in the office or not, and how you you, you foster relationships and career advancement and those sorts of things. And it's setting up things that are intentional to do that, but using the not defaulting to like, well, we'll just like go off on a tangent in every meeting and make it <laughs> like eat up our calendars. But I do think like, you know, we can, and we've written about this before too. You can like set aside some of the time for the meeting of like just talking. Yeah. Like the first 10 minutes of the meeting, like let's just like catch up yeah. as people. Okay. Now let's start the meeting and go and like follow the agenda. Your job is, we won't want to say you're part of a family because that sounds trite, but you're a part of a larger relationship, interconnected relationships, and they always need to be uh, tended to. So I feel like one, a couple common threads from all of our experiences with this are trimming meeting times. I think that's one thing that's like an actionable thing that you can do. 
you know, it's great if you have buy-in. It's great if like the whole company agrees to it. But I think it's something that anybody listening can do to their own meetings, just trimming a little bit of time and, and like reclaiming a little bit of time back. The blocking off one day for no meetings, that does feel like something that could be really useful for a lot of companies, but does feel like something that you kind of need buy-in from everybody, come from the top down. Um, and then, you know, I think it's it's just a matter of reevaluating our relationships with meetings and thinking critically about them. I don't think that, you know, unfortunately, I don't think that Kenzo's approach to radical no meetings at all is going to work for a lot of companies. It might work for some, but I think you can pick and choose some things from that to just do a meeting audit yourself. It's It's useful to just see. I never, I feel like I'm in meetings all the time, but I never actually looked at like and tallied up the number of meetings and the hours of meetings and, and thought about it, how it's a third of my day. Like just evaluating that and seeing where you can trim and, and how you can go about it can be a useful exercise, I think, for everyone. Josh and Scott, thank you so much for being here. It's always a, a fun, if not uh, often going off on tangent conversation with both of you. My pleasure. I just want to say that we went over our meeting time for this recording. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. And we want to hear from you. Try doing a meeting audit yourself and let us know the results. Email us at podcast at fastcompany.com or tweet us with the hashtag The New Way We Work. The New Way We Work was produced by Joshua Christensen with editing by Nicholas Torres. 